Peter is going to be sharing with us today. He has a great message. So let's welcome Peter. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Um, I, I sort of stood up when she said we have a treat, and I didn't know if that was me or not. I was like, really sad. I was like, am I the treat? Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to be the dessert of life. There you go. Um, so how's everybody on this Sunday? Good. Yeah, a nice big couple of thumbs up there. That's great. It's a good sign for anyone starting to just to preach, which I'm going to do now. Um, as Sarah said, my name's Peter. I'm, I'm not like official staff member here, but I've been part of the river for quite a while. And often I, I talk about some subjects relating to faith and I kind of would like doing this as well. So I'm always thrilled to be up here. But I wanted to start out this morning with a quick poll, okay? I don't want to do anything too scientific. I don't want like a presidential election level disaster, polling disaster, okay? Um, just a very simple poll. I'm gonna, in a few seconds, I'm going to ask you, um, we've been talking about the New Covenant faith recently, the last few weeks, and, um, and I'm going to ask you in a second whether us talking about that has had any sort of effect on your lives. Um, and... What is New Covenant faith? That's the first thing I'm just going to quickly remind us what that is. Uh, it's the biblical term for the type of faith that God offers all of us in these times. Um, you know, a covenant is an agreement or a promise. And according to the New Covenant, God, what does he do? He offers to live deeply and actively within our lives. And our lives would be fuller and more connected. We'd have better relationships and better everything, really, as a result of that. And as we've seen over the past few weeks, the New Covenant faith also frees us from ways of living that are kind of narrowing to our lives. So they result in alienation from ourselves and each other. And, 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 and a big assumption under the New Covenant is that life is not just about, you know, striving to get by. It's not just about crossing our T's and dotting our I's. Instead, the New Covenant sort of assumes that to thrive, we need connection with other people and with ourselves. We, we're going to thrive if we have more empathy in our lives, understanding of other people, if we're more generous, if we're more loving. And as a result, the New Covenant faith, if we pursue it, should, in theory, help us in our jobs, in our marriages, with our friendships, uh, at work, in the workplace, everywhere we should start to see the effect as we press into the New Covenant faith. So my question is, has this happened? Has this happened over the last few weeks? Do you feel like you've developed more of an understanding of other people? Do you feel like you might have more patience? Have you been more moved to help other people? Do you generally feel more peace about your life and the way that the you know things are happening? Um, you don't have to get super specific, but have you felt the have you felt the benefits of new covenant faith in your lives in New York City um, as a result of us looking at this? No. Or yes. Yes. Okay. That was the poll. Okay. That was the little poll. And the, through the prophet Ezekiel, God described what the new covenant would look like. He said this, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That's what I'm talking about. Has anybody felt that? Is your heart less stony as a result of us looking at this? 
Eric's nodding. That's good. That's wonderful. Is your heart more malleable, fleshier, more loving as a result of this? Yes. Good. Excellent. Now, here's my message today. There's more. There's even more. There's a lot more. And today, I wanted to turn the lens and look at what that more is. I wanted to focus on a very important feature of the New Covenant that I'm calling the trove. Okay? I'm calling this feature the trove. And you have to say it in that voice. Um, the, the term trove is, is my personal shorthand for all the vast collection of spiritual tools and resources that God offers us under the New Covenant. So the trove encompasses things like, I don't know, praying for people to get well. That would be like a big spiritual resource that we can go and get from the trove. And we can, I head up prayer team. Yes as you probably know, some of you, and we on prayer team access the trove a lot. And one of the things we do is pray for healing. And we do that because the new covenant tells us that God is close. He's active. He's loving. He wants to change things for the better. And so if we pray for him under new covenant faith to do that, quite often he will. And we see results on prayer team when people actually feel better as a result of our prayers. They actually may get healed from a physical condition. Um, And so that's sort of a new covenant thing that's in the trove. Um, Another thing that we might access from the trove is this thing that the Bible calls prophecy. And I know that sounds kind of like hyper-spiritual and intimidating, but it needn't be, okay? Um, Simply, for example, you might have experienced us prophesying for you on prayer teams. So you might have come up for prayer with a sort of prayer request for something, you know, something for your job or career or family or marriage or something like that right? And then um, the person praying for you might have had like an extra message, right? Something encouraging and uplifting and sort of helpful. And they would have felt like they'd gotten that from God. And that would be an example of what prophecy is supposed to be. It's supposed to be something encouraging from God that could lift you up and fire you up and give you a sense of purpose and like an idea and a greater sense of God loving you. That's prophecy, right? And that can come directly... Um, through something like prayer team. That's in the trove. I've experienced this um, myself on prayer team. I I eat the cooking. Is that the phrase? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) um, I go get prayer. So like... um, Like, I was in... It was like in the summer, and I had like a big life decision to make. And um, I went to get prayer, and Melinda just happened to pray for me. And she had an incredibly encouraging... Um, message for me that just rang true on every level, and it was exactly what I needed to hear at that point in my life. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. And I did it. I'll tell you what it was, but it was like, it was a fantastic kind of uplifting message from God. And again, today, um, I was completely blown away because like I was sitting there after preaching, and then Eric, as he's going to do later, gave gave came up here because he's leading prayer team and he gave what's called a word which is kind of like something they they think they've heard from God and it was exactly for my life and so I went back and got prayer and so that was a wonderful kind of example of prophecy something that's in the trove working okay so um and this is straight from the bible so you're thinking like where does he get this from um, under the new covenant, um, God's communication with us is going to be helpful, it's going to be inspiring, and it's going to be frequent, okay? The prophet Joel predicted this when he said, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That means everybody. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams, and your male servants and female servants in those days 
on those male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. It's for anybody, whatever, okay, if you want it, okay? So think of this trove as this very easy to access, bottomless store of spiritual resources that include things like praying for people to get well, prophecy, and lots of other things. Um, And they will help us. Going to this trove will help us respond to the opportunities and challenges of life. And it really is for everybody, okay? I'm I'm not a particularly... (laughs) churchy person. I've never been drawn to churchy things. I I just have never found that interesting. I didn't grow up in the church. I don't have a particularly spiritual mindset. I was a reporter for 25 years. I don't like it when people talk a big game about something and they just sort of make it sound great, but they're kind of ignoring reality on the ground. Um, It was my job to expose that, you know, and I'm not naturally drawn to like church practices or overtly religious people. I've done most, most of my life I've been trying to avoid them. And, but I do like the idea of a more vibrant, more exciting, challenging, less selfish life. That's what I want. And I love the fact that God gives us the spiritual resources to go for that type of life. And I love it even more that he does it in the context of the lives that we actually lead here in New York today. That to me is exciting, that, he, that it intersects like that. So you can imagine a situation like this. Imagine a situation at work. Um, this is just totally made up. I totally made it up. And so if it corresponds with anything, it's kind of like the movies say, there is no intentional similarity with anything in real life. But you've got a colleague, and he's, like, really badly behaved, and he's sort of like, you know, no one really likes him because he's just, like, never pleasant. He's rude. Maybe it's your boss. I don't know. Um, and... And as a result, you know, people isolate him, and so he gets even more angry and becomes even more of a difficult situation. And you just sort of get through the day, and everybody kind of, like, dismisses this guy. But one day you're at home, maybe you're reading the Bible or praying, and you feel like God says, you know what? I need to tweak your conscience here. I mean, I need to use you as a, as a special agent, as an ambassador in your workplace, where you could actually be part of a process that ends up helping this guy in a big way. So... You'd be like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do that? He doesn't like anybody. He certainly doesn't like me. And so that's where the trove comes in. You say to yourself, okay, God, well, that was your challenge. I'm now going to take you at your word. I'm going to say, okay, give me whatever you have in that spiritual resources toolbox that I can use in my workplace to be an agent of love and change in that place. So you do that, you go to work, and lo and behold, you have an opportunity to talk to this guy you know, you connect, you might even be able to sort of like find out why he's sort of like not acting like he should. And then maybe you can pray for that situation. Maybe it's something at home. Maybe it's his marriage. Maybe something's wrong with his children or something. You could then pray for God to miraculously overcome that and solve it, right? That's something you could pray for. That's the trove. That's what I'm talking about in the context of our lives. It's doable. It's there for us, right? That's the sort of situation I'm talking about. We can bring it home into our lives. Um, so, Here's my question today. Where do we stand in relation to the trove, okay? Where, where do we stand? Do we, do we look at it and go, that's kind of interesting? Or do we sort of dip in every now and again? <laughs> or do we, you know, halfway in and kind of like some of it? Or are we all the way in? Where are we in relation to this vast store of spiritual resources that God has for us? And that's something I want to look at right now, and I want to do that with the help of a passage from the Bible. And in this passage, Jesus tells his disciples they will soon have access to this vast store of spiritual resources, and it's going to help them do the things that they need to do. It's the opening passage from the book of Acts, which is 
you may know this already, the book of Acts is a, it's basically a history of the early church written by Luke, and Luke is the same Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And we take up the scene with Jesus, who by this time has already been resurrected, and he's about to go to heaven, and here's his passage. In my former book, Theophilus, that's the name of the person who Luke was addressing effectively, most likely, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And we'll look at what the kingdom of God is later on. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So Jesus is, by that time, gone to heaven. And those are Jesus' parting words. And I think that when someone gives you a parting message, you can assume that it's important. And the important message he's trying to convey is that God will provide them with spiritual power. He's going to give them access to spiritual resources. And he's reminding them that they're going to have all these things to do ahead of them, like build all these new covenant churches, and they're going to have to, you know, they're going to be relying on this. And he says that here. He says, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And what does that mean, baptized with the Holy Spirit? That's kind of like, kind of a, perhaps a confusing phrase for, for some of us. I totally understand that. And it's Jesus' first century way of saying, you're going to be immersed in God's presence. You're, you're going to be filled with his power. You know, the Holy Spirit is God with us. He's like the third person of the Trinity. He's God with us. And he's going to be with you. And he's going to be, you know, filling you with power and all sorts of resources from the trove. And as that happens, he's also going to be shaping your character. We looked at this last week with the, with the fruit of the Spirit, you know. Um, we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That all comes with being baptized by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says more in this passage. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And what, 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 what Jesus is saying is you're going to need this power to be witnesses. And I like the fact that he uses the term witnesses here because he keeps it kind of um, not too specific, okay? Because if you're a witness, you can witness in many different ways. You know, witness can, can mean a lot of things. It can mean explaining to other people the things that God has done in your life or the lives of other people. It can be like modeling how Jesus would behave in a certain situation, showing mercy or forgiveness, for instance. Um, it can also mean, um, witnessing can also mean demonstrating God's, you know, breakthrough power by praying for somebody to get well, for instance. That's witnessing, you know, God's miraculous, miraculous power. Um, but the important thing is, is, for us, is that God will be in all of that, Okay. It's like God, you know, the new covenant faith is God being active and close with us at all times and, you know, giving us that sort of extra oomph that we need to go through life. And as we pursue him, he'll give us um, the ability to witness in all those ways because he'll be with us, right? Um, That's the promise. Now, 
<laughs> I can understand after all my descriptions there if some of you aren't totally feeling this, okay? This is not an easy area of, uh, of New Covenant faith um, because I think one of the reasons we struggle to really take it on board and, and to understand it is because there aren't immediate parallels in our lives elsewhere in our lives, right? If you think about like some aspects of faith in Jesus, like if I was to talk about, if I was to give a whole sermon on the love of God, right, you would have references in your life of love, right? You would be able to say, okay, well, my dad loved me, my mom loved me. Yeah, I kind of know what love is. And so like, it's kind of relatively easy to sort of say, yeah, well, then God loves me. Yeah, I know what that should feel like, sort of, right? You have a starting point. But when it comes to this sort of stuff, where is the parallel in the real world? Where is the parallel? I mean, superhero movies? I mean, that's not a very good parallel for this sort of stuff. We don't, we don't ever, there's no superheroes, right? So like, <laughs> so there's nothing there really. And so it's hard for us to imagine ourselves doing this or liking it sometimes. And, and, and I understand that's a difficulty, but take heart because I think the disciples run into this problem in, in our passage, right? They, when, um, you know, they've been with Jesus for three years and like he's done miracles right in front of their faces. They've done miracles with Jesus, right? And yet... When he's talking to them about being baptized by the Holy Spirit, they respond like this. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And it's like, hold on. I, you know, they respond like he says something big's going to happen, and they respond with something much smaller. Like, I'm not saying that restoring the kingdom to Israel was not a very important issue at that time. It was hugely important. I mean, it was an oppressed nation, and of course they wanted their country, you know? And that's a good thing to want, you know? And so it's not like I'm dismissing it. But, but Jesus sidesteps the question about restoring the kingdom to Israel. And he says, actually, I'm talking about an even bigger kingdom, one that's going to go on forever, one which will be, you know, driven by God's love, and you'll be able to tap into that kingdom, you'll be able to tap into the trove at any time um, in order to bring this kingdom of love to other people. That's a bigger kingdom, right? That's a much bigger, more ambitious kingdom, the sort of kingdom we'd kind of sell out for, yeah? And so that's what Jesus says. I'm talking about this bigger kingdom. And, and, and so... The disciples are sort of presented with this, like the choice between the smaller thing or the bigger thing. And I think the same kind of dynamic exists for us, the same sort of choice exists for us, even if we're like, you know, in, in our faith. I mean, do we, do we want sort of a faith where we have like very realizable, achievable, concrete goals, which are good. I'm not knocking them. Restoring the kingdom to Israel is probably a good idea, but better than the Romans. But um, do, you, do, you know, do, we, do we want, like, you know, the, you know, to get those sort of very realizable, concrete goals? Or do we want to go bigger and have God take us on an open-ended adventure in our lives where every day we realize more and more God's full potential? That's the difference, right? That's the bigger thing that Jesus is offering. And you can see it through literature. It's kind of like in The Hobbit. Do you want to stay in Hobbiton or go on that thing with Bilbo? Right? Which one? Most of them stayed in Hobbiton, right? They didn't go with Bilbo. But we can, right? And it's not an easy choice because there are risks and there is, it is difficult to be, you know, unabashedly spiritual for God. I understand that. But let me just say this. God is going out of his way to make it easier for us to be involved in all that stuff, okay? Because when we take that step, 
of doing something, we take something from the trove and pray for somebody to get well or give somebody an encouraging word. He's there. He's helping us. He's like, he's our co-worker as we do that. And so as a result, it should be perhaps easier than we think, right? Because under the new covenant, God is always close. He always wants us to succeed. God is always good. And so it's, in, it's just on his heart that it would work out for us. And so as we press in and as we do this stuff, I think we'll begin to feel like our muscles are better at it than we actually think. I think we'll be more alive to what's going on in the world. And, um, you know, as we go on and do this stuff, um, you get a greater sense of the good that can be done, of the potential that God has in his kingdom. And then our eyes will get even bigger and we'll be even more excited about the stuff that we can do with our lives. And it does all play out. I mean, the disciples here sort of kind of get it here, but not really. But, you know, the Holy Spirit does come upon them on the day of Pentecost. That sets them off on these adventures where they set up all these churches around the Near East and they end up blessing countless people, thousands if not millions of people. Um, And during that time, they kept drawing down on um, God's spiritual resources. They kept going back to the trove again and again and again and doing all these wonderful God-empowered things that are just incredible. And you can see those if you keep on reading in the book of Acts. And that invitation, that invitation is ongoing. It exists for us today. And here are some practical suggestions on how you um, might be able to think about accessing more of them. Okay? So number one would be be open to the idea that God wants to utilize you more than you realize, okay? Now, one of the comforting notions we may have about God is that, and this is true, okay? What I'm going to say is true, but not, not, you know, it's sort of like some ways not helpful, is that God is kind of powerful, all-powerful. He can do whatever he likes. And, yeah, we should sort of pray for good things to happen. But ultimately, you know, really everything is in his hands, right? I, I, I sort of agree with that, you know, like... It's for him to do, and, you know, he'll do it if he does it. And there's some wisdom there, I mean, because we never want people going around thinking that they can do more than they actually can. We don't want, like, to get people to feel like they can be these huge spiritual gurus that actually take power on themselves to do things. Um, And I think humility is always very important whenever you do this sort of stuff. But, on the other hand, it is absolutely clear that God intends to utilize each one of us in his plans to bring his love and his redemption into the world, okay? We sit at the center of the new covenant faith. Us, people in this room, right? We, we're, we're at the center of all that he has in, on his mind and because God is not really into doing things on his own. That's not something that he does. And we can see that in our passage. He tells his disciples they're going to be going to the ends of the earth. It's like they're on God's front line. And and, and this sort of tells me that we sort of need to be open to this idea that we might be more useful than we currently think we are to God's plans. And I like how Jordan Seng puts it in his book, Miracle Work, which the prayer team is currently discussing together. He, he says it like this. The reality is God routinely partners with us to get things done in the world. He reveals truth, but we have to preach it. He offers salvation, but we gather in. He shows mercy but we serve the poor. Supernatural ministry works the same way. God is the source of power, but we lay hands on people or speak commands that the power might flow to others. Who empowers supernatural feats? God. Who does them? We do, usually. And bear that in mind. You know, 
it's, a, it's an interesting challenge, I think, for, for us. And I think the easy way to respond to it would be like, you know, scale up your prayers. Pray for bigger things, maybe. If you're in a life group in the next couple of weeks, take a little risk and give a prophetic word to someone or something very encouraging. You can always tell prophetic words are prophetic words because they're encouraging and they speak love, okay? They're not nasty and, like, condemning, right? Um, ask about joining prayer team. That could be something you could do, right? Second practical tip. Dive into the special events the river is planning between now and Easter, okay? I wanted to give you a sneak preview of um, some of the things we have planned here at the river that will help us, that will be designed to help us access uh, God's power and help us understand how we can draw down on his spiritual resources. Um, And so what do we have coming up? We have our usual uh, regular 40 days of faith, which covers the Lenten period. If if you're not familiar with Christian jargon, Lent is the period 40 days up to Easter. Um, And um, we have, uh, in addition to that, which is wonderful on itself, the 40 days of faith where we all get together and pray for big things, uh, we we're going to have uh, two special evening events where you will be able to try out some of these spiritual exercises that I've been talking about today, um, how we can connect you more closely with God in this realm. And in the past, we've called these, these, these evenings God Encounter Workshops. I don't know if that will be the name of them this time, but that gives you an idea how practical we're going to get, okay? We're not just going to talk theory. We're going to actually do some of this stuff together. And that's going to be fun, okay? They were fun in the past, and they're going to be like, we're going to have a great time doing them again. And so there'll be more details soon. So there'll be two evening events, okay? And then finally, my third practical tip is pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? This is a very nice, simple way to access more of God's spiritual resources. And we can just play this one powerful prayer Uh, that Jesus points to in our passage when he says the disciples will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And what happens when you pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit is is something really wonderful. It's like you're immersed in God's presence, um, and then you have this sort of blessing enter your life that empowers you, liberates you, frees you from stuff um, that you might not like going on in your lives. It connects us more closely with God and other people. And it's the sort of like premium blessing, if you wanted to put marketing terminology on it, that comes with being a follower of Jesus. And, you know, people pray it initially when they don't know about it and they feel like, wow, my life was completely changed by being filled with the Holy Spirit. But the great news is you can keep praying for it to happen and we do that here. So I wanted to finish up today, if I may, by just praying for whoever wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? I'm going to take that step? Okay. So... um, just give me 10 seconds of silence and I sort of work out what I'm going to pray, okay? So, thank you. So, Jesus, I think the word I keep hearing right now is thirsty. Not John thirsty. Um, thirsty. Um, I get a sense that there is a thirst here for more of you. And that's great. Because you have often described your presence in our lives as living water. And I just pray that anybody who wants more of that living water, who wants to taste it for the first time even, that you, Holy Spirit, would fill them up to overflowing with that living water. That it would be transformative, that it would convey the goodness of God, 
that people would feel empowered by it, freed by it. They would feel joy. They'd feel like a sense of being alive to your potential, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, come now and fill whoever wants to be filled by you. Let that living water flow in this room. We thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.